I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody man! We will strive for the denazification of the Let me put it to Yes, if you win by one, you've oh, won. The phone went over the side of the phone. He's trying to destroy the I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Part of the ACAST Creator Network and also available on Patreon. Hello, I'm Mark Steele. This is my podcast, which asks the question that I can't help but notice one or two other people are asking you as well now. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? Wasn't it a marvellous idea to choose who runs the country by asking a few thousand elderly people with huge lawns? And the person they chose was Liz Truss. Now, she said she would sort out our problems with energy bills in our homes And she has, because soon we won't have a home either. And if you're living in a park, energy is free. Some people unfairly claim that politicians are lazy and don't do anything. But the new Chancellor, Kwesi Kwarteng, has only been in his job three weeks and already he's laughed during a Queen's funeral and destroyed a major Western economy. The man can't keep up that pace. He'll be exhausted. Now, we often worry that not enough people are interested in politics, don't we, in this country? But this Prime Minister has changed that. So I, for one, am immensely grateful to Liz Truss. Because when we first started this podcast, one of the aims was to ask what the fuck is going on. And now she's got everybody asking that. Mrs Miggins goes into the greengrocer and says, Oh, hello, dear. I'll have my usual pound of onions, Betty. But first, what the fuck is going on? The Archbishop of Canterbury starts his sermon with, When one regards the scriptures in the current climate, one cannot avoid the question. We beseech you, O Lord, what the fuck is going on? Now, Truss and Quarting insist this collapse in the pound is nothing to do with their mini-budget. So the fact that it happened the exact moment after their mini-budget is coincidence. What must have caused it is that investors were upset that Roger Federer has retired. Or maybe the banks just withdrew all their investments in the pound so they could spend it on sweets. Who knows what they're going to try next? Maybe they'll release a 100 tigers into Sheffield city centre and then deny that this led in any way to all the people in the city centre that were eaten by tigers. At one point this week, they said the pound had collapsed because investors were frightened of a Labour government. Oh, that must be it. In the same way that when an arsonist sets a building on fire, the people to blame for causing the fire are the fire brigade, who made everybody panic with their big red truck and all those ladders and hoses. The mini-budget that sparked this crisis was one that, at a time when the government claimed it had no money, took £45 billion to give to the very richest people in the country to boost the economy. And this is the party that boasts it's economically competent. It's like a contestant on Bake Off saying, I should be allowed to win as I'm reliable with flour, and then opening the oven door to do a shit in the baking dish to give a boost to their profiteroles. Now, supporters of trust 
have blamed the money markets for spoiling everything. And you can understand why they're annoyed, because if there's one group of people who have consistently complained about the free market over the years, it's the Conservative Party. Not a day goes by without them going, oh, those free market people. So maybe they're just having a laugh. Maybe there'll be another mini-budget in which they announce, to free our economy, we will spend every penny in the country on pickled onions. We will then roll them down a hill in Scarborough and into the sea. The smell of vinegar will at last provide the incentive that our great British businesses need to create growth and prosperity. So already there are moves inside the Conservative Party to replace Liz Truss. Maybe this time, instead of trusting the decision to their members, they should have a vote amongst a more reliable group, such as long-term inmates in a prison for the criminally insane. Fiona Bruce will announce on the news, After the final round of voting, it has been announced that the new Prime Minister is Barry the Hatchet, famous for going berserk with a variety of axes in a series of garden centres before finally being captured and chained to a wall in Broadmoor. He will reveal his plans to hit the ground running with an economic policy of introducing more taxes on garden centres, which he hates for a reason that no one can work out. And then they'll have to bring in their money personally so that he can attack it with a power drill. And then he'll make a speech in front of 10 Downing Street while handcuffed to the railings for public safety, in which he'll say, Die! Wisteria! Die! 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 over and over for an hour, and the global markets will declare that they're reassured as Barry is considerably more sensible and competent than the person he's replaced. Now, one or two people have expressed a little bit of concern about the total collapse of the pound. To explain things more thoroughly, we were hoping to speak to Kristalina Georgieva, the Managing Director of the International Monetary Fund, but she's out with toothache. So instead, to give us his thoughts, here's deceased cricketer from Yorkshire, Fred Truman. Well, I mean, they talk about the pound collapsing against the dollar or some such nonsense, I don't know. I mean, when I was a boy, it, it couldn't collapse because, I mean, we didn't have a pound in the whole country. I mean, oh, if they wanted to check it against the dollar, we all had to look behind settees and in linings of courts for groats and hairpins and what have you until Britain had a pound. And then we could see what it was worth. But I mean, even the Queen, I mean, she went to Poundland. She couldn't afford a thing. I mean, she wanted a dishcloth, but it was too expensive. I mean, it, it was a pound. But I mean, she didn't complain. She didn't. I mean, I remember one lad, Toby Shepherd, wonderful batsman, uh, got invited to play in the Indian Premier League for a whole pound. Um, and he, he came back to Scarborough. He was the richest man in Britain. And then, and then a seagull swooped down and went up with his pound. <laughs> I mean, for a while on radio, they would say the dollar was worth 185 against the seagull. But, I mean, he didn't mind. He just got on with it. And, I mean, because Tubby couldn't pay his rent, he had to sell his bat. And uh, we were due to play against Somerset that afternoon. He had to bat with penis. He still got 83 not out. But, I mean, these days, I mean, they've got all these foreign currencies, haven't they? I mean, I don't know, yen and what have you. I mean, I never saw a euro till I was 23. Don't talk to me about the pound. Give up. The, the is going to 
always a massive treat to uh, invite whoever is the guest, um, the guest what the fuck is going honorary person uh, every week. But uh, honestly, never more so than today because it's someone who already has been uh, a huge part in creating this podcast, Mr. Willie Dowling, who, no less, creates all the little bits of music that are in the show. How are you, sir? I'm in peak condition, thank you, Mark, for asking. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, I kind of complain, but well, given the opportunity, like. <laughs> Marvellous. I have to tell from Willie is uh, very much a musician, and as I am looking at him now, he's in a studio in France with beautiful guitars. Is that a uh, Gibson I can see there behind? Oh, I and see. A, and well a spotted. Stratocaster there as well. Yeah, there's yeah, a few. Yeah. Uh, we can't uh, be sure that it's not blue screen and I'm projecting something We can't awful. be sure, but even the fact oh. that you have put that as a blue screen and not the Grand Canyon or... Um, the or, Royal you know, Family. I mean, you the, know where the, my the allegiances fam, lie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 very much. I mean, I suppose there will be, it will be possible now to get the, the funeral as a We can only back, hope so. We can only hope so. And there'll be people, and some people, older people will be confused. Are you at the funeral? I thought that was finished. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, it's gone on for another month, and I'm there now. But no, no, it looks absolutely beautiful, and you're smoking in it, which is very, very French. Uh, one of the perks of living here, and of course, I'm extraordinarily isolated here, and one of the perks of having a studio uh, of my own is is that essentially I can have a fag, have a wank, I, I might have one in a moment. Whatever I like, there's there's nobody to legislate otherwise. So There's probably legislation that says you must have a fag and a wank. <laughs> probably. You, you might be right. You might before be right. you buy this studio, it is absolutely essential that... Uh, you sign this document to say that you must have cigarette and wank on a Tuesday. <laughs> now, before before we get on to the uh, our Britain looks from France, I want to talk to you about yeah. that. But just to make so people listening will know, because I think that they will want to know, because I, I do hear that they like to know. So you write all the all the little bits and the bands and stuff. I'm sorry if anybody thinks that that is a, actually a real death metal band singing and stuff Does that like happen? that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went into like, I went into the dirtiest village in, in rural Suffolk and found a satanic death metal band and, th- and we got them to do the, what the fuck is going on bit. Well, here's a question we can put to, to our lovely listeners is we can ask them like if they, if there's any sort of style of music that they would like the, what the fuck is going on sort of, um, theme to be, to be sung in. Uh, I mean, it's a fantastic idea. I, I, I would have to put one caveat on it because I think we might be coming to talk about it later on uh, in terms of uh, grime, rap and so on. I, I, I can very easily sit here and replicate the uh, the backdrop to all of that. Right. What I can't do with any degree of authenticity, neither should any white middle class man try, <laughs> is is to rap about the block. You know what I mean? That's that's not our remit. That's not our experience. And uh, I'm not. I, oh, now, see, I'm not with you there. I think white people can rap. Well, if they can live on the block, then they've got something to say about it. It would be so contrived if a prick like me decided, okay, I'm going to sing about... <laughs> well, you can rap in a about city living in a French, in a French <laughs> not even a village, but in a field that is so remote that there is no noise you could make that anybody would know. You could drop a nuclear bomb. Interesting. And maybe I'm writing this down. It would, it would register somewhere in Rouen. And what uh, language do I have to do this in? Nous pensons que nous avons entendu un bomb nucléaire, n'est-ce pas? 
<laughs> I've no idea what he just said, listeners. <laughs> now, so you are in France. This is uh, so. This is very important. An angle which. Uh, we very, very rarely hear here in at the moment, but the utter, utter, complete hilarity and chaos of Britain, I suppose over the last six years, I suppose you could date it from the Brexit referendum onwards, really, when, when it seems to me that in Europe, and I know France, well, I know France quite well and all the other countries not at all, but it seems to me that there's been almost a sort of what are you doing <laughs> bemusement uh, towards us. Is that right? Do you think is that the impression you get well, from your I, no neighbours or anyone you ever meet? Well, I'm, I'm going to stick a caveat on this because <laughs> I, I haven't polled the entire population. But, uh, you know, you meet people, they tell you what they think. And uh, my impression, for what it's worth, is that it's not that dissimilar uh, to the arguments uh, that we hear in the UK, as uh, this is a sweeping generalisation, uh, opinion is divided pretty much along class income lines. You find that uh, middle class, metropolitan, and more affluent and educated people were always against generally uh, Brexit and are sad or uh, perversely amused at how the English and they do see it primarily as the English, not the Scots, Welsh or Northern Irish, right. how we fall for cliches like take back control and yeah. the ambiguous promises of, of getting the best deal or getting Brexit done. You know, these empty bullshit phrases. We live, as I said, very rurally here where most people are not well off. And there you can kind of feel the same rumblings of right. dissatisfaction as we saw in the Red Wall areas in the UK. Right, you know, these, right, right. They've been abandoned. Uh, they, they've seen their standards of living drop, you know, since the crash of 2008. And I think that is always the, the point that you have to start looking at how it's changed so radically throughout not just Europe, mm. the world. And so uh, in my area, they feel abandoned by successive neoliberal governments who promise the earth, but they deliver primarily to business interests and the well-off. So do you think any of, do you think you, I mean, well, statistically, it must be the case, I guess. You must have been sort of happily chatting to someone or other who voted for Le Pen. Oh, absolutely. Uh, particularly in this region. And it, 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 this is the way it seems to work. This is why I made the contrast with the Red Wall areas, that it is the, the less well off that the right wing populist people, you know, the answers of the far right start to appeal to the less well off. They're real simplistic. It's not your fault. It's the foreigners. It's the EU. Yeah, yeah. And you can see this echoed in countries throughout the world right now. Yeah, it's yeah. Now, I heard, I heard um, during the presidential election, I heard one interview, uh, a phone-in thing, sort of thing they have here, and Le Pen was being uh, asked about, wasn't it Macron's uh, proposals for schools and also for hospitals? And she sounded, if you didn't know who she was, she sounded... Uh, very much like a radical anti-establishment and then at one point i think there was a bit of an audience there she said the trouble in hospitals is the same as in schools we need to take it away from the accountants and give these institutions to the yeah, people sounds familiar I think, wow yeah if you've done you know that must be a course of course that's going to appeal to people then, of course, she goes on later on to blame it on Muslims and so on. And yeah. uh, But that's got an appeal to people who are less well off. Of course it has. Completely. But, you know, I, I do, I, I'm 
sort of basing that opinion on uh, uh, the initial Brexit vote in 2016, I, I do get the sense that uh, it's changing since Brexit became a reality and the French have seen the utter shit show that the UK yeah. has become since Brexit. And you can see this actually reflected in the right wing of France, you know, uh, Movement for France, the MPF and Marie Le Pen's national rally uh, or the far right presidential candidate, Zemmour. These were all massively anti-EU and they now claim to have modified their views yeah, and no yeah, longer yeah. seek the equivalent of Brexit. I mean, they called it Frexit even. That's that's how yeah, much yeah. it touched. It's, it's more, it was more not against coming out because Marine Le Pen was not against, was, was very much sort of like, much was, more gentle, wouldn't was, you, about the EU? Yeah. Was changed though, changed. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, likewise with Zamora. But I think it's all tactics. I, was, I, think I just that... want to sorry, right, but I just want to say, because not everyone will be sort of familiar as, as we are with all these people. Zemmour was the person who basically said, Vote for me, don't vote for Marine Le Pen, because she's not fascist enough. She's not a proper fascist. She sometimes goes a whole week without doing a single goose step. I'll do one before I get up. I've learned I go to I fuck fucking goose step in bed before I get up. <laughs> if you want a fascist, I am your man. And uh, that's that was pretty much his appeal, wasn't it? And at one point, he was on like 20% or something. I think that's he ended frightening. up. frightening. Uh, but now, uh, well, we could go on about this for very many Well, we will go out on about it for very many hours, but, um, uh, but sadly, we won't be able to record all of it. Although there will come a point where everything we ever say and think is recorded and goes out to uh, where it would develop several different brains at once, so we can curated listen to more by Jeff Bezos, no doubt. There will be nothing interesting <laughs> yeah, yeah. on it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Uh, but now there is one subject that uh, we want to try and bring these two things together of what what the fuck is going on and your lovely musical world with your isolated, unnecessary studio. So quite often, I meet people my age. I was of the punk generation. Yeah, they will too. complain that music now does not have the same sort of radical element that it did back in the days of the Damned and the New Model Army and so so forth. And um, I I find that a frustrating argument for for very many reasons. What uh, what do you keep up with stuff that's going on now? Well, I, I'm actually deeply unqualified uh, to even discuss this because. Uh, I don't. I, I, I don't do genres. I don't like genres. Uh, uh, right. Ever since I was a kid, it's not interested me in nearly as much as a song that suddenly jumps out of nowhere that grabs me. And that can be right. from any genre. So yeah, yeah, yeah. My, roughly speaking, I, I think 99% of all popular music is utter shite. And then there's the 1% <laughs> wherever it comes from that is just yeah, yeah, yeah. so dynamic and is saying something. But, you know, on, on the... The subject of uh, radical songs or songs of protest, I I'm curious to know, uh, just briefly, entertain me. Uh, tell, tell me which historical, you know, let's say the last three, four decades, which historically interesting songs of protest uh, had an impact on you that made a difference? The one that personally affected me was uh, the Tom Robinson band, because I was exactly the right age for it. And I was 17 and living in a, a little town called Swanley in Kent, where, yeah, so 
Mm. I mean, it's not my favourite place, and it's not that the people there are, are like the people there are, are, are as much a mix of good and bad as anywhere else. But there's so little in the town, and it was it was very it was almost entirely white with nothing to do. It was just houses, and people would go down the one of the only pubs or go to the vi- nearby villages to go to a pub, and the conversation was foul i doubt there's a single sentence <laughs> said by anyone in any of those pubs in the whole time i was there that you could say now and continue to have a career on radio <laughs> or television <laughs> just picked up if you just was able to go back in time and go 8 35 october the 29th 1978 oh fuck you said what about the disabled? You can't call gay people that. And uh, so uh, it was really unpleasant. And if you were, if you really, really wanted to annoy everyone around, which I did, then what you would do more than anything else, more than say I'm a Marxist, more than say I'm apt, you could have said I'm a jihadist. That would quite annoy people. But if you really wanted to anger people, wear a gay rights badge. You fucking what? You fucking what? You don't fucking stand near me. Get out of here. It was that. And so I wore a great big gay rights badge just to annoy everybody. And it worked. It's the only political thing I've ever done that worked. And my aim was to annoy everybody. And uh, and it did. And then when I heard Tom Robinson band and the Glad To Be Gay song, uh, I thought it was absolutely uh, astonishing. Yes. So, Willie, what should we be listening to? Because I think I, I, I honestly think there's a great many people who hear this and listen to it largely for your your input. Oh, that's very kind of you to say so. And of course, uh, it turns out that I do have something to plug. This is entirely by coincidence, by the way. I don't think uh, any of you were aware, but. I, uh, on Monday, which I believe is the day this podcast comes out, I've actually got yep. a new album uh, coming out. That's my band, The Dowling Pool. And the album's called, oh God, I've gone into radio voice. The album's called Refuse, or Refuse if you prefer. And uh, you'll find it on bandcamp.com. So if you go to bandcamp.com slash the Dowling Pool, you'll find all of our albums there and you can download them or you can order CD versions, whatever takes your fancy. But there's our new album, Refuse. Um, a, a lead single on that is the last track called The Hand Moved, which is really about what we've been discussing. It, it was about Brexit and the diminishing of democracy. Brilliant. All right. We'll do. Yes, we will. Uh, the Dowling Pool, which I should certainly be listening to that. And uh, I hope as many people as possible do do so as well. And local radio is on the up. Shares are on the up, Willie. Is that true? The Prime Minister, <laughs> the Prime, the Prime Minister chose to be interviewed by local radio. I don't know I, why. I saw and, that. Yeah. And, uh, they took it to town, right? Absolutely magnificently. <laughs> Where are the BBC? There, That's what you fucking going, want, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, 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 wonderful. I haven't uh, but, heard uh, it yet, but I read about it. Is it as yeah. glorious as they say? Well, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know where I'm going next. Things. I've done these things so, so, so often. So I've been on sort of on the phone. I've been wandering around the co-op. I've been, oh, shit, the phone. I forgot I'm doing bloody radio <laughs> Bigfordshire. Well, and then you've got, okay, that was the average white band. And now, <laughs> anything could happen the next half an hour because I'm thinking half an hour, we've got Mark's 
Steele. He's a comedian. You might know him from his in-town show. And he's coming to Bedford. What are you going to be saying about Bedford? Ha, ha, ha. And I'm sort of like, and in the background, there's custard powder. Check out number three. And I'm, I'm going, and I'm, <laughs> I'm having to do me jokes by the fish fingers. And uh, today they were interviewing the Prime Minister. Marvellous. God bless them. Thank you very much, Willie Dowling, sir. Now we know what the fuck is going on. Pleasure to talk to you, Mark. Let's do it again sometime. Bye-bye, mate. There's no doubt that the economic situation is affecting every layer of society, especially this woman who I overheard in a cafe. Well, I heard Richard Maidley on Good Morning Britain say something about interest rates going up. And at first I thought it was good news because the nanny owes us £12 for her cups of tea and biscuits. So I said to her, what with the interest rates and inflation, that will be £15 you owe us now. And the next thing I know, she just walked out. And Colin's been under a lot of pressure recently because he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Rygate area. And it turns out that the pounds crashed or something. And on top of all that, his pension fund's taken a hit. So I mentioned it to Calvados, our homeopath and he recommended a homeopathic pension fund where you put one drop of arnica into a basket of currencies and it protects you against the market crashing but when i told colin about it he said don't be so stupid this is effing serious and stormed out that's the first time he's sworn since the gardener drove the lawnmower into the greenhouse he was from romania so what can you expect anyway i phoned tara from the spin class to have a bit of a moan but she didn't pick up and then half an hour later colin came back in a much better mood full of apologies and said he'd look into this homeopathic pension fund thing. So, oh, well, I'm sure it'll all work out. But sometimes I do worry that Nectarine might never be able to afford a second home and all because of the unions. But that's the trouble with people these days. It's just me, me, me. Excuse me, why is this lemon and artichoke risotto £15? It was £12 when I came in. Thank you so much to all of you who are now supporting us on Patreon. A growing army of support, indeed. Uh, It's because of you that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. And, uh, of course, this is a growing movement of people asking that very question. If you'd like to join these wonderful, virtuous, radiant people for as little as £2 a month, just follow the link on our Twitter page or go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on. Or if you really want to know what's going on, enter every little detail. For just £4 a month, you'll get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended interviews and bonus sketches. This week, there's Lieutenant Colonel Sir Ambrose Chisler's marzipan uh, giving his thoughts on the uh, recent economic troubles. Uh, And you get it on Sunday nights, unlike everybody else who has to wait until Monday mornings, leaving Sunday night, an autumn Sunday night, miserable, like a Sing Something Simple Night from 1975. And you'll get all sorts of other benefits. So go to www.patreon.com and type in what the F is going on to join the WTF community, as I think we are now officially registered as a community. And we're going to, there'll be a WTF pride and everything within 60 years. Uh, Now, a few announcements must be made. First of all, to remind you that we now have a date for our very first What the Fuck is Going On? Ask Me Anything session, Monday, the 17th of October. I'm not quite sure which bit of the day, uh, but, you know, all the different 
hours of the day are pretty much the same, aren't they? Uh, it'll be, I suppose, be early evening, won't it? That's when things happen. On Monday, the 17th of October, if you want to take part, all you have to do is become one of our Patreon supporters for £4 a month, and you'll be able to ask me anything. I won't know the answer. You know, if it's a cooking question, I suppose I might do, but gardening, definitely not. Uh, I, I can kill any living thing. I don't mean to, but I seem to have that ability. Um, plants, not people. That will be on Monday, the 17th of October, and uh, early in the evening. I've got some gigs coming up. There's one in Kettering, uh, uh, a big theatre. There's loads of them. I think probably most of the tickets have gone. That probably shouldn't say that, should I? But uh, uh, for quite a lot of them, North Allerton, Barnard Castle, made famous made famous by Mr. Cummings, uh, who's done an enormous job there for the tourist industry. Um, and marvellously, in Barnard Castle, since uh, Dominic Cummings said that he drove there in order to get his eyes tested, the little signs as you drive into Barnard Castle now are done in the form of an eye test. Welcomes visitors all that is done in the form of an eye test the sort of that's the sort of thing that makes brit makes proud to be british and also mark stills in town the series has now gone out on radio 4 but as we are now in the modern age you can still listen to them on bbc sounds longer versions between sort of 35 and 45 minutes each one and the one from paris uh is has gone up and also, the, the the one in Paris has gone up in two versions, one in English and one in, in French. So please listen to the French one, even if you don't speak French, and uh, that will be pointless. And the sort of thing that, again, makes you proud to be British. Now, lots of people have been getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, as well as on Twitter, wanting to know what the fuck is going on with certain things. There is, of course, a great big, huge, central what the fuck is going on question uh, taking place around us at the moment. But Billy, uh, Billy McCarran asks, is it any coincidence that the UK has fallen so sharply since Mark first asked what the fuck is going on. This is putting a lot of responsibility on me, Billy, and it's I've, I've been troubled since seeing your question. And he goes on to, to mention the very calamities that constitute the UK having fallen so sharply. The Queen dying, rising energy prices, war in Ukraine, Elliot nearly losing a testicle etc. I mean, I'm very touched that those four incidents are all given equal gravitas, Billy. Uh, I think we're, I'm obviously very, very happy that Elliot is fit and well, he's my son. Um, but if he had actually lost a testicle, would that have been the same constitutionally in terms of historical importance? in terms of the emotions that were created as the other things you mentioned, the Queen dying, for example, would it have been on the television? Would the nation have mourned for 10 days? Would things have been cancelled? Would would the BBC have said uh, there have, of course, uh, a great many programmes that have been changed from our normal schedule in accordance with the protocol that we have decided upon for many years in the event of Elliot nearly losing a testicle. Would that have happened? I'd like to think it would have happened. I'd like to have thought that Hugh Edwards would have spent many, many days going, 
We're now looking at the bollards outside the hospital where the testicle is believed to have been removed. There are no pictures at this stage of the testicle. And of course, it is the right of the family to view the testicle first before there are any public sightings of that with us. To discuss the matter over the next four hours is the uh, one of the leading experts in testicular removals following a jiu-jitsu tournament. Uh, I, I don't know. I like to think, Billy, that you, you've considered this uh, and that that, that that would be the case. And of course, there would be a bank holiday. And I think I would find that rather difficult to feel that there was millions of people going, yeah, I wasn't fucking interested, but now there's a bank holiday. I'm going to go down and get pissed, you heartless pigs. Now, Arthur Smith asks, uh, now, I should say, this is not any Arthur Smith. This is Arthur Smith, the man who calls himself the mayor of Ballum, quite rightly, quite rightly, and should be the mayor of Ballum. Arthur Smith, the veteran's veteran comic, who has been going so, so magnificently long, and he has asked this podcast, which comic would be the best and the worst prime minister? Now, I have to say that I don't think any decent comic could be a good prime minister or a good politician at all, because uh, you're just, if you're a proper comic, you're too disorganised, you're, you you all you want to do is get a laugh. You'd be up there in front of the United Nations or something, having to make a really, really powerful speech in order to, I don't know, to rid the world of nuclear weapons. And then you'd think, oh, I'll improvise some joke and upset the Chinese. And before you knew it, there'd be fucking there'd be nuclear bombs going off all over the cricket grounds of England. Um, so I don't think any uh, any comic would be a. Uh, I think probably the the ones who'd make the best PMs would probably be the worst comics, and I'm not prepared to say who I think those are. And the uh, the the worst, but I mean, I suppose the worst prime minister, Arthur, you would be the worst prime minister. You'd get you'd turn up at a there'd be a a G seven summit. They have breakfast meetings. You breakfast meeting for you would be four in the afternoon. Uh, I think that's you're unassailable on on that front, Arthur. Maybe that's the answer you were hoping for. Thank you very much for sending all your questions. Send in as many as you can, and we will answer. They're very, very fine questions, and I think all of these questions will end up on the curriculum for uh, a philosophy degree. I'm sure of it. What the fuck is going on? Now, as anybody knows, if you've ever tried to work out what the fuck is going on, particularly when the whole country is asking what the fuck is going on, you need a wide range of of ages in your life to to ask that question. And uh, that's why I bred someone many years ago who would be able to to try and help me out with these questions. Elliot Steele, hello. Hello. Now, the first question before we get on to the main thing is, I am quite often asked these days still about the condition of your nuts yes. following the injury some weeks ago. Are they uh, are they improving? What are they out of 10 now? About seven. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, is that like, is that 
seven each, or is one ten and the other one three? Mm, both three and a half. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> do they get reviewed on on Nuts Advisor? <laughs> Disappointing pair of nuts. <laughs> I feel that they've been in a in a jujitsu injury in recent times. And, I, went, uh, I went back. I went back to jujitsu last night. Right. So mm. you've gone back to the thing that caused the injury. Yes. Is that a bit mental? No, I wear a cup. I bought a nice one for like 50 quid. 50 quid? Yeah. It was like hand-painted all flowers and shit. No, it's pretty, it was pretty hard to assemble, actually. It was like something like, it was, you had to assemble it, but it's really good. Assemble? It's called Ikea. <laughs> now, there's an opinion poll this week, and I do like looking at the opinion polls. Again, they're partly the sort of sports fan of me. And Labour <laughs> were 33% ahead, which is not, that's just not meant to be, that's not meant to be possible. That's meant to be like, you know, a cricket, a cricket team's got 408 for 23. It's a score that's not supposed to be possible. So what, um, does this mean anything to your, to your generation? It must include your generation for them to be 33% ahead. It, uh, who, who, who are, have you ever answered an opinion poll? In your life, no, but that no, yeah, but, but that so, so yeah, it does. So, who are these people that they're ringing and going? Well, can we get your opinion on things? Well, it's no, it's, but they're it, right. The opinion polls are no, laughing. Right? If they're wrong, they're no, a they're little not. bit wrong. They're not. They're not right. They're ringing. They're ringing losers who haven't who've got, not got anything on. Who go? Yes, I'll sit here for ten minutes and speak to someone about and <laughs> give my. I have things to give opinions on, like this podcast and my podcast, <laughs> B Tech Philosophers. So I could come give my opinion. If you've not got anyone in your, if you're sat there waiting for someone to ring to ask you your opinion, they're not sitting there waiting to ring. But when someone rings and says, "Have you? Can you just ask a couple of questions? Who would you vote if there was an election tomorrow? Who do you think make the best prime minister? Kiss time on his trust." Then some people would answer those questions, and enough people answer it that makes it statistically likely that it's not going to. They don't. When people say it's mean, it's not clearly not meaningless, is it? Because it's. Maybe not, even if they're wrong, they're only a bit wrong. But Liz Truss is like, I think you could, I think you could get go into the ocean and find the body of Osama bin Laden and run that against her, and you'd still find Labour were like twenty five points ahead in the polls because she is so useless that the ghost of Osama bin Laden would be able to beat her. She has no. The, the, she has well, can no. I, can I pull you up here? There's two different things: the yeah. ghost of Osama bin Laden, or Osama bin Laden's rotting corpse that's been several years in the ocean. Yes, yes, I think Osama bin Laden's rotting corpse would be. I think the ghost. Of, I don't want to be too silly. The ghost of Osama bin Laden wouldn't be her. I think. It, 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 yeah, you, Professor, actually, Professor John Curtis. I think that the Labour Party has benefited here from choosing the actual corpse of Osama bin Laden rather than his ghost as some of the members wanted at the conference. I think they'll be very much regretting uh, uh, proposing that uh, uh, scenario now as the uh, certainly opinion polls, hypothetically, they, uh, people are suggesting that the ghost would be 4 or 5% down on the actual corpse. Well, I think it's sort of how the founder the- of Al-Qaeda. <laughs> I think this whole death to the West thing and then running for a Western country would really... Uh, but then again, you don't know. This trust is so useless that, but you might go. Do you know what? Fucking yeah, death to the West. We we deserve 
There deserves to be a lot of death across the West if this is who's in charge. Oh, Al-Qaeda, but really, they, they'd be a problem because they'd be going, he's sold out. I know he's dead. And they've dragged him up from under the street, but he's really sold out. Oh, well, his corpse, I think, like, you, anything could stand against this trust and win because the concern, I've said it on this before, no one who is any, has, if you are smart in the Conservatives, you wouldn't want to be near the Prime Minister's serial position or a position of power. Because it's publicly accepted that there's about to be civil unrest this winter. The, they have ruined the, the economy. Everything, it's not, it's not just the Tories' fault. It's like capitalism has been set in this way for a long time. This is a long time coming and we're starting to see these things happen. So you can't just sit there and blame this current government. Like it's the system itself that is the issue. But they don't know, like I've said, no one can come out and go, hey, look, it's the system. We really need to look at reforming it. And if things are run to profit, they're forever doomed to fail because you actually need services to serve the people. And that also creates a level of wealth and people are able to live. But they can't say that. So whoever goes towards this position is someone who's so blinded by wanting to be prime minister that they're not actually looking at what you're being prime minister of. So you haven't got the ability to then change anything or do anything. And that, that, that for me is like why that we're being left with Liz Trust because it is the worst of the worst. But it's amazing. They keep finding a worst of the worst. They keep doing well, that. Everyone why, they the send more you're the saying that, the more I'm becoming convinced that the next leader of the Conservative Party will be the corpse of bin Laden. That they will find. <laughs> Obviously, they'll have to find him a safe seat, which is not easy at the moment because the, uh, if these opinion polls are right, they'd be down to sort of 40, 50 seats or something, wouldn't they? So they'd have to get him in somewhere, like, I don't know, Guildford? Or would they even go, well, what if they stood him? Oh, oh, fucking hell, he's lost to the Liberal Democrats. Oh, my God. And that, yeah, and they've run the ghost of Ronald Reagan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, I think this, I think, well, we've suggested, I'm sure that some of the suggestions we've made on this podcast have ended up being Conservative Party policy. I think, you know, given that, you would think five years ago, you would think the things going on now would not be remotely possible. And there we are, they're all happening. And I think if you're smart, you'll have 20 quid on Osama Bin Laden's rotting court. (laughs) Standing... Against oh, Keir Starmer in two years' time, oh, and with Dimbleby, what an extraordinary uh, night we've had here! Do you think it was a good, a good decision to stand the rotting corpse of Osama bin Laden, <laughs> mastermind of the destruction of the twin towers? What do? <laughs> He's just trying to, you know, he, yeah, he did, he, you know, we know that he's a tactical genius when it comes to these things. It's not yeah. necessarily a bad idea. That's, no. why I, that's why I was happy for the Saudi Arabians to take over Newcastle. Like they masterminded 9-11. Imagine what they're going to do to football's tactics. Like imagine how they're going to revolutionise the Gagan press. <laughs> Thank you very much, Elliot Steele. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this podcast on this what the fuckingest of all weeks. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can't be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, 
be absolutely certain to write a review in the middle of the night. If there's anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod and we will look at every single message that is sent. We will read it several times. If you'd like to become a WTF supporter and get early access to ad-free extended versions for as little as £2 a month, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? Was hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests Willie Dowling and Elliot Steele. Voices by Sarah Alexander. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. Music by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell. What the fuck is going on? Was brought to you by WTF Productions. 